Hello, everybody. This is Talking Sports with Evan. I am Evan Wittalison, your host of the show. And what a weekend it was for Wisconsin sports. The Ryder Cup completed in the state of Wisconsin. The Brewers clinched the NL Central. The Packers pretty much control the game, lose the lead late, and then win on a last-second field goal with 37 seconds left, no timeouts. Rodgers brings the Packers down for the game-winning field goal for the Packers to win in San Francisco, and um, the Badgers played too. You know, eh, yeah, Badgers played too. We 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 don't need to, you know, we don't need to talk about that. But I will talk about the Badgers a little bit too. So here is the plan for today's show. And if you have any comments you want to share um, on Brewers, Packers, or Badgers, feel free to comment. I'm also going to talk a little bit about uh, officiating. Um, I was going to do this show last night, but. I am a high, uh, high school uh, and youth official, and I had a, a high school game I had to officiate yesterday, which kept me from getting on the air to recap the weekend that we just saw here in um, Wisconsin sports. So I'm going to talk a little bit about a couple of the, the calls in, the, in the, uh, the game on Sunday. So with that said, Again, if you have any uh, questions or comments about the Packers win over San Francisco, the Badgers, excuse me, how to fix the Badgers, or the the Brewers and clinching the NL Central, feel free to, you know, share a comment and I will share it on the the air. You can follow me on Twitter at Evan Witt Sports uh, for those watching along on Facebook and those watching on Twitter, you can find Talking Sports with Evan on Facebook. Uh, Talking Sports with Evan. This show also connects to that as well. So I'm going to start with Saturday. Um, get the get the the bad out of the way first. Going to start with Saturday, and my general question is this: What is wrong with the Badgers? Um, to be honest, there's there's a lot of different things that's is a problem right now with the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, player development is a problem. Something Wisconsin has done really well in the past in developing um, developing players that uh, come in, typically two- and three-star guys, and before you know it, they leave and go to the NFL. Those guys aren't being developed right now. The offensive line is not playing well. The running The running game is not playing well. The quarterback is not playing well and it's it's a big issue all around and I love Paul Christ I think he has done an outstanding job thus far during his time with Wisconsin but the issue I'm having right now is Paul Christ is running a very stale vanilla um very stale vanilla offense right now in the past it's, it was a very quarterback-friendly offense. A lot of pre-snap motion, shifts, uh, jet sweeps, misdirections, moving people around uh, before the ball snapped to try to make create mismatches all around. And it was a quarterback-friendly offense because you weren't asking the quarterback to do really a lot because you run the ball extremely well, and then you build everything off of that by going play action down the field. The issue with Wisconsin right now is they cannot run the ball. Paul Christ is doing the offense no favors with his play calling. And we saw last year, with the exception of the Illinois and Michigan game, the offense was very stale and vanilla. 
and the Badgers are struggling to put the ball in the air and protect the quarterback. You can put a lot of it on Graham Mertz, um, and you can, and it's justifiable. He has not protect he has not protected the football well at all. The fumble is inexcusable. A lot of the interceptions are inexcusable. But you can't put it all on him because Chris is not putting Mertz in position to be successful. Um, he's just line up, run, line up, run, line up, pass, punt. That's basically what Wisconsin's doing right now. I don't, I, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand where the creativity came from. I don't understand where the, the, uh, the variation uh, came from. Came uh, went away too, but he's got to figure it out. And I'm not, I'm not stating the Paul Chris needs to go. I'm, the, I'm thinking the Paul Chris needs to really take a look at his offensive staff, and determine if this is who he wants running his offense. You know, Joe Rudolph's been around with him for a while, but maybe it's time for him to go. Um, you're you have a former. Offensive line coach that is now coaching uh, linebackers. Maybe bring him back to the offensive line. Um, the offensive line did extremely well um, for years and years and years, but now they they they're not they're not developing anybody. Um, they still put guys in the NFL, but as a unit, they're not playing well. And the other issue is you are you're rotating guys in and out of the lineup a lot and offensive line is very the get being familiar with the guys next to you is very important in the offensive line um it has to be a brotherhood you have to be you have to know and trust what the guy next to you is going to do um that is that's part of it and bob both starred uh both starred is who i'm talking about he has coached offensive line before, and he, for some reason, is coaching inside linebackers. He's doing an outstanding job um, with the inside linebackers. Um, he spent he started 2017 uh, leading the linebackers after spending previous 27 years as an offensive coach. Um, maybe, probably, possibly. Um, Put it back at offensive line and see what happens. Because who you have running the offensive line right now, and trying to find it. Um, you have Rudolph, who's the run game. Co- oh, Joe Rudolph, the run game coordinator and offensive line coach. I'm sorry, but he's just not getting the job done. Um, the offensive line is a shell of itself. And Chris maybe needs to look at bringing in another offensive head coach. I mean, not offensive coach, offensive-minded coach to come in and run the offense so he could focus more on the the team overall or figure out how to get back to being the Paul Chris that has got Tozine playing extremely well. Um, Alex Honeybrook playing well at times. Uh, uh, the guy that... Uh, Jack Cohen, who they just played in, in Notre Dame, he looked efficient at times. Get back to what worked in the past, because what Wisconsin's doing right now is pretty much going back to the 92-93 type Badgers, when they're able to run all over everybody. But right now, the Badgers cannot run over people. They just can't. And the, the team is suffering 
because of it. So what is wrong with the Badgers? A lot of things. And it starts with Paul Christ, and he needs to figure out what he wants to be as a coach. Does he want, you know, because we've seen him with a lot of uh, variations of offense, misdirections, moving around, uh, jet sweeps and everything, but all this year it's all out the window. And we'll see what the offense looks like against Michigan. But you're getting to the point that you cannot afford to play Graham Mertz anymore. You just can't. He he is he's hindering the offense by being extremely turnover prone, and you just can't afford to continue to run him out there. And if you're going to run him out there, put him in position to secede. That's what you need to do. Defensively, the Badgers are fine. I know you look at the score from Saturday, and your initial reaction is they lost forty-one to thirteen. What do you mean the defense is fine? If you look at the box score, yeah, it looks like they kind of got um, both raced a little bit. But defensively, the, the, the Badgers played great. Um, it was two pick sixes and a kick return for touchdown that was the, the, the uh, deciding factor in the game. Um, 21 points right there between special teams and defense. And I think there's 21 points off turnovers that Notre Dame had as well. So that's 28 points right there. So you eliminate the turnovers, take that 28 points off the board, the whole different ball game. And the Badgers had a, a 13 to 10 lead at one point in the fourth quarter. And then everything fell apart after the kick return for touchdown. And it must be a Wisconsin thing. It must be a Wisconsin sports thing uh, to struggle in special teams because the Packers struggle in special teams too. And perfect segue. I'm going to, you know, perfect segue. Um, you know, Mostly what I want to talk about with the Packers is positive. The Packers beat the 49ers 30-28. to 28. And I will sit here right now for those watching. Thank you for those taking the time to watch. For those that are listening later, thank you for taking the time to give a listen to the show. I was wrong. If you watched last week's show or listened to last week's show, I, predict, I predicted... The 49ers were going to win, and it was going to be very close to what we saw in Jacksonville when they played the Saints. Why did I feel that way? Well, simple. I am a, I am a stern believer that games are won and lost up front. Offensive line, defensive line. That is where games are won uh, and lost. They're won and lost up front. The Packers... Looked awful up front against the Saints. Awful. Both sides of the ball, they got pushed around and dominated. Against Detroit, offensively, they were a little better up front on offense, but defensively, they still got pushed around a little bit, and for some reason, Detroit decided, eh, we're done running the football. We're good. We don't need to run the ball anymore. For some reason, Detroit decided that. Um, I don't know why, but they did. They decided that we're just not running the ball anymore. And Packers took advantage of that, and they got the win. 49ers, what the 49ers do extremely well is run the ball and put pressure on the quarterback. Two things that they do extremely well. And the Packers were not stopping the run the first two weeks of the year. And they weren't getting after the quarterback either. And... Without David Bakhtiari, who missed the first two weeks already, out for week three, he's out for the first six weeks. 
now without Outen Jenkins at left tackle, you're asking a lot with o- Yosh, Josh, or however you say his name at left tackle, Runyon, Mayers, Newman, and Turner. You're asking a lot of those guys. Um, Runyon's played some, but not a ton. Uh, Mayers and Newman are rookies who have not had a true road start yet coming into this. And the left tackle, his first career start. And and here's the thing. Why do the Packers win? For the same reason I thought they were going to lose. Because I thought the 49ers were going to control up front. But actually, the Packers controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. The 49ers couldn't run the ball. And I know they're hurt right now having so many backs down with injury. But they could not run the football at all. So that worked in the Packers' favor. The Packers got pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo, which made him struggle, uh, makes, made him make some poor decisions with the football. And the Packers were able to run the ball and protect the quarterback. Aaron Jones, he, uh, let me look up his stats really quick as I switch screens. He had 82 yards on 19 carries for Aaron Jones. Dylan, six carries for 18 yards. That set the tone. And then protecting Rodgers. Now, of Rodgers' 23 completions, 20, uh, 12 of them went to Devontae Adams, who had 12 catches for 132 yards and a touchdown. Valdez Gantling had three for 59 and a touchdown. Lazard, one for 42. And Aaron Rodgers had one catch for negative four yards. He even got himself involved in the passing game, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, you look at the guys you were expecting to contribute more in the passing game, guys like Tanyan and Dagara. They they stayed in to help block a lot. Aaron Jones, only two catches of 14 yards. Again, he had to stay in and block a lot. Same with A.J. Dillon. So the Packers, they they made it a, a point to help the offensive line out, especially after the opening drive, where it did not look good for our left tackle at all. Bosa worked him up really well. They settled for a field goal after a bad face mask penalty. Well, the penalty was legit. The action was bad. Um, the uh, you should not have done that at all. Uh, you, uh, whatever. Um, he should not have done that at all. Um, but they get the field goal made. Second possession, you could tell the Packers actually made quite a few adjustments on how they were protecting Rodgers. And Rodgers had time to look downfield and attack. And with the 49ers, their defensive backfield is not very good. Um, if they can't get after the quarterback and you give the quarterback time to throw the ball down the field, he's going to pick you apart. You know, he is going to pick you apart and make you pay um, for not getting, but not getting home. And the Packers did that. They gave him time to push the ball down the field and uh, make big plays with, with Devante, um, with MVS, with Alan Lazard. They found the, uh, they found the holes in the game in the uh, passing game and attacked it. So great job by the Packers up front on offense. Great job by the Packers up front on defense. And Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary both played strong games up front. Um, it was a big win for Green Bay. And you can talk about how the 49ers, not a very good team. Is it really that big of a win? Is it really that big of a deal? Um, because they're not that good of a team. Yes, it is a big deal. And I, I've listened to some local sports talk around the city and around the state. 
and a number of people uh, and around the country, another pe- a number of people are trying to downplay. It's like, let's move the goalposts a little bit. You got boat raced by the Saints. Maybe you're not as good as you thought you were. You beat Detroit after struggling early on. That, you know, 49ers, this is going to be your first true test. And 49ers get beat. And as soon as the 49ers get beat, it's not great win by the Packers. It's maybe the Saints are not as good as we thought they were. I mean, the 49ers are not as good as we thought they were. 49ers is still a good football team. They really are. And the 49ers made a lot of mistakes, too. The final drive, especially for the 49ers, you you have the Packers in a situation that they have no timeouts left. That was piss-poor clock management. You have all three timeouts left. They have none. And you snap the ball on a running clock with 12 seconds left on the play clock and throw a pass into the end zone to score. I know you don't want to take the chance and run out of time to score, but you got three timeouts left, and they have Aaron Rodgers. And we've seen time and time again that Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't matter how much time there is, the Packers have a shot to win with Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't matter. He he'll find, he can find a way to win. And I think the notion that he doesn't do well in two-minute drills and those types of situations obviously is wrong because Dallas in the playoffs, Arizona in the playoffs, where he threw two um, fourth and 26 footballs to lead the Packers to the tying score. We've seen it time and time again with Aaron Rodgers. You you don't want to leave much time on the clock for him. And you and 37 seconds is way too much, <laughs> way too much time for him, as we saw in the game. But that drive, those two throws from Rodgers was incredible. And then another mistake by the 49ers. I know in that situation, you're playing everybody back. You're playing zone across, playing prevent. Why are you, why are you playing... Devontae Adams in zone. You can play everybody else in zone, but you better have a guy or two whose one responsibility is to cover Devontae. Because I don't recall if MVS was out there or not for that play. He he left the game hurt earlier in the game. Um, so I, I can't remember if he was out there or not. So you have Lazard probably, uh, Randall Cobb, uh, Devontae. And, I, you know, that's probably who you had at receivers. Um, why aren't you double-teaming Devontae? Why aren't you devoting two guys whose one responsibility is to shadow Devontae no matter where he goes? Instead, you play him zone. He sits in the zone. Uh, Rodgers finds it, finds it, and the rest is history. And then he, Devontae, smart, goes to the ground immediately, and you touch him right away. You don't you don't fall on him. You don't, you know, knock the football away. You allow him to pick the football up, run it to the middle uh, to the hash, set it on the hash, and allow the Packers to get set. It was dumb football by the 49ers on that final drive on both on their final score scoring drive and on the Packers winning drive. It was dumb football by the 49ers. But now the Packers, and I'll talk about this later in the week, either Thursday or Friday, they have the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to Lambeau Field, and I'll pre- I'll preview that game, like I said, later in the week. 
And I commented at the start of the show, I did want to talk officiating. Um, I'm an official, for those new to the show. I, I uh, am a WIAA um, certified official. That is the governing body for high school sports in Wisconsin. And I, I'm not trying to sit here as a Mr. Know-it-all. I'm not a, I don't, I'm not a rules expert. Um, I'm, I'm still learning the rule, uh, you know, because the high school playbook and the NFL playbook are different. Um, the college playbook and the high school playbook, a little different. So I don't know a lot. I don't know a ton of the NFL rules. But there's a few things that are the same. And a few things that kind of stood out to me that I kind of want to address. The 49ers pretty much got gifted seven points before the half. Um, Garoppolo's under duress. He throws the ball away pretty much at the in the pocket at the feet of his offensive lineman. No flag thrown. That is intentional grounding. I don't know. I don't understand why the flag did not get thrown. But if that flag is thrown right there, under 10 seconds to go on a, you know intentional grounding, 10 second runoff, half is over. So yeah, you very rarely, if ever, do officials win or lose a game for you. The game is won and lost by the players on the field. Officials can have some impact on how a game is won and lost, but ultimately the game is won and lost by the players on the field. But there are things that can happen in a game that could impact, such as that intentional grounding. Packers set to have a 17-0 lead going into the locker room. If that play is called correctly, instead, it's 17-7 going into the locker room. That was a huge point in that game. Huge point. Because what if, you know, what if you do call that penalty? 10-second runoff, half is over. Packers kick the ball off to start the second half, up 17 to nothing. And the 49ers game plan likely changes. Um, the other point I want to mention is the they caught a pass interference on Eric Stokes on third down. I've watched it over and over again, and I'm having a hard time seeing where the flag happened. Um, yeah, it led to a 49er touchdown. Packers had many opportunities on that drive to get off the field, but it was third down. That was a big third down. Incomplete pass. Now it's fourth and long, and you're likely having the 49ers punt. Instead, the 49ers get a first down, and next thing you know, they score. So just you know, a couple things there. And then I want to kind of comment on the issue with Devontae. To me, yes, it was helmet-to-helmet hit. It should have been a flag. The flag should have came out. And I've seen a lot of people bashing and criticizing the officials who are on the field making the calls, but I can't criticize them for that. And I know you're going to sit here and say, what? How can you not criticize the officials? It was blatant, clear as day, helmet-to-helmet contact, should have been a penalty flag. I blame the NFL for that flag not being thrown. And, And here's why. If you're watching the NBC broadcast, and I was confused at this too when I saw it happened. So the NFL has a, a ton of officials on the field. I usually work with a crew of four at my high school level. Once I've had a crew of five, that was a rarity. Never has, has not happened again. It probably never happened again either, unless I'm on a varsity crew. So 
you have a crew of six, like seven or eight officials. They're all responsible for looking at areas. So when the when the uh, roughing the passer penalty was called, that's the the, the white hat, the 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 referee, the lead official. That's his job watching that. So I don't really know what he saw on that roughing the passer that he threw the flag. I really don't. Um, I think that's one you keep in your pocket. But the back judge is the one responsible for plays over the top like that. And the NFL rules expert that NBC has on their broadcast, former former official, who I like. I, I like him better than what CBS and Fox has. He had commented that the NFL for this season, for some bizarre reason, decided to move the position of the back judge. So instead of being ahead of the play, being back beyond where Adams was and looking scanning the deep portion of the field, he's behind that play. You know, he's he's allowing the receiver and the defensive backs to get behind him. So the helmet-to-helmet hit, there's literally no way in the position that he was, there's literally no way that he could have saw that contact. Literally, there's no way. He has, he has people in his view. If he was where he should have been based off years past in the NFL, he is in front of the play. He sees that clear as day, penalty flag gets thrown, it's first and 10 Green Bay. And now you possibly have a targeting situation. Um, so it sounds crazy when I say the missed helmet-to-helmet hit on Devontae. It sounds crazy when I say I cannot blame the officials who are actually on the field for missing it. I blame the league for moving the positions of the officials on the field. Because if the back judge is where he typically traditionally is, that flag gets thrown all the time. So, my thoughts there. And finally, baseball. And probably next week, um, I will get more in-depth on a playoff preview. I'm going I'm to work on a baseball guest for next week. Um, I have a couple in mind that I want to reach out to. Um, but the Milwaukee Brewers have clinched. With their win on Sunday, on Ryan Braun Day, they clinched the NL Central, beating the New York Mets 8-4. to And it's very fitting that they they beat the uh, they beat the, the Mets 8-4 to with eight base hits on Ryan Braun Day. It is very fitting. But the Brewers clinched the NL Central. And the one advice I have for you guys, whatever happens this week, don't overreact. Don't freak out. Don't get nervous. Don't don't say you know think the sky is falling if the Brewers struggle this week because you still have the Cardinals who are uh, still trying to clinch a playoff spot and they're red hot. The Brewers are up two to nothing as we speak after Luis Urias home run in the fourth, so they are up two to nothing right now. Um, the Dodgers are still trying to win the NL West. Um. There's just a lot of things that can happen this week, and the Brewers' main focus is on staying healthy, setting up the starting rotation, which they got a pretty easy easy opportunity to do that because after the game Sunday, they have 
they don't they don't play again till Friday um, for game one of the NLDS. So um, just enjoy the the rest of the season. It was great winning the division. Get yourself emotionally, mentally, physically ready to cheer the Brewers on for the playoffs. And the Brewers are a very good team. Very good pitching. Very good team. So, great win by the Brewers. Great celebration. Loved it. And I like the fact, too, that when the Brewers clinched the playoff spot the Saturday prior to winning the division, um, they didn't really celebrate. And they celebrate the division win. And and the thing is, I hope when they win the NLDS, I hope it's a minor celebration. If Well, if they win the NLDS. If they win the NLCS, I hope they, they celebrate like the Bucks did when they won the, the Eastern Conference Finals. Because they're going for the World Series. Their work is not done yet. Winning the NLDS, their work is not done. Winning the NLCS, their work is not done. It's about winning the World Series. So with that, I'm not going to go much longer. I try to keep these 30 minutes uh, unless I have a guest on because I I get probably annoyed hearing my voice for that long without any breaks. So thank you for those that tuned in live. Thank you for those uh, that are going to be watching later on and listening to the podcast version of the show, which will be put out tomorrow morning, probably around the 8 a.m. hour, so central time. With that said, hope you all enjoy the rest of your evening, and I will get back at you Thursday or Friday to preview Packers-Steelers and Week 4 of the NFL season. Be safe, everybody, and have a good one.